0: are back we are doing it again doing it again yes this is welcome back to mark's madness we read books how are you we're doing delightful my name's nathan my name's david and we will be launching into our another reading of neo-colonialism by kwame and krumah soon not now soon uh but before we do that, we are going to do what we always do, which is some current events. Uh da- there are obviously uh, a myriad of current events. We will pick out yes. some that are that we feel are more important or some that are just getting undue amounts of news time, one or the other. Uh first and foremost, I'm going to lead us off this week with a question. Uh David, how how the CIA uh make fools of themselves yesterday on <laughs> oh, the 15th of November. Oh, my goodness. There was, How'd that go? Yes.
1: We're, we're talking the digital Bay of Pigs, um, which I will never stop laughing. For people who don't know, by the way, Bay of Pigs itself is a bad translation we don't have an english word for them but the the spanish word the name of those fish is not pig it's like the, It's the bay of like a specific type of fish and we don't have a fucking word so we call it pigs but you know the, the the white supremacist pigs that that got fucking racked for trying to invade there deserve that name um but anyway there was there was uh you remember in was it june july i think it was they, june july yeah Something like that. They were trying to do a little color rev and their total protest was like maybe 400 people and the US ran with this like, oh, Cuba's suppressing this and look at this huge you know the, the the protests are coming and the Cuban government's gonna fall and they kept showing pictures of like protests in support of the government or protests in like fucking Other Argentina yeah. yeah or or in Miami you know um, <laughs> and it doesn't matter like if there's you know uh, a, you know Julio Vente says flag to show it's pro government it doesn't matter if there's Argentine flags everywhere it doesn't matter if you know, it's in Miami. You could point to the landmarks and go, that's right there in Miami. You know, they, they just ran with those pictures, right? Like anti-government protest. Da, da, da. So they were trying to do that again to the point where I guess they just decided that announcing it openly coming up even from U.S. officials a month in advance wasn't fucked up or suspicious or giving <laughs> the game away to them. I don't... I don't know. They're not bringing their best these days. I don't know. No. What the fuck? They, like, yeah. I mean, I, I, okay, I don't want to say they're not bringing their best these days. They are terrorizing Africa like a bunch of monsters. But some of these people are dumb shits. And the, some of these dumb shits started this November 15th thing – uh, you is, know, that date, I mean, we, is
0: that that meaningful in any way? Did I miss something? Is there some sort of mm, like reason no. behind it, or like a, okay, no. I don't know if it was like a, My, a cultural event or something that I missed out on, or what? No.
1: I don't know. I, I have a memory that's basically whack-a-mole. So sometimes I vividly remember details, and people are like, how do you even know that, let alone remember that? And sometimes, you know, I'll be talking to you, and like, I don't remember what the fuck we talked about five minutes ago. I, I, I can't say that, that my memory is the most reliable. Yeah. But nothing comes to mind on that date for me. Oh, but I yeah, I mean, they, they picked this date, and so it was supposed to be... Um, November fifteenth, and it was so bad. Not only did everyone kind of see it coming, but the whole point of it—it it was kind of openly like what a color rev is. You know, it's meant to get intervention in the world, support on your side, and, and pressure the government from the outside by having the few internal actors that support the outside over their own people, um, and want want to liberalize the economy to agitate to get the government to react the way they have to and suppress the protest. Um, to have the morality just be like suppressing protest rather than asking what the protest is about and what it's doing and who's influencing it. You know, that none of that is it's just you're suppressing protest that's evil and that's equal to all other protests sup- suppression, you know. I mean, just think about that for a second, right? Like, let's imagine that Charlottesville happens again and, and before Heather Heyer is, is killed, the white supremacist US police just decide to hang that up for a day and just beat the shit out of the tiki Nazis and that never happens. Is that a like, to me, that's not immoral, right? And yeah. and so they're trying to get something like that going, you know? Um, and so anyway, um, it just doesn't work. Like, the protest never fucking happens. Like, there's yeah, nobody – There's not even this little 100-person pathetic shit – there was nothing. It's straight up, like the people knew and saw this coming and, and the people, the Cuban people organically did little protests in front of the houses of the known organizers of this November 15th thing. I just told them to stay in their houses. They don't stand for the, the Cuban people like the day before and it fucking worked. Like none of the protests happened. It was a fart in the wind. It, it, it was, was a nothing. month of buildup for absolutely nothing. It was And pathetic. of
0: course the media apparatus now is doing the fun because again this is it's like someone to put it on twitter the the parenti quote um the if the churches in the ussr were empty it demonstrated religion was suppressed but if they were full mm-hmm. it meant that people were rejecting the regime's atheist ideology so yeah. it's like a, you're no matter what you're they, gonna spin this however you want like that is, whatever you need
1: to that is the perfect quote not just in the broad idea of that quote of how bullshit gets spun like that but specifically in you know he was talking about religion in there but the just replace it with pro- – and, and again, you know, oh, just – if you switch this thing out with this other thing, that's not the same. But sometimes you, things are analogous and that is the same. This this is the same thing Parenti was going for, right? If the protesters were out in the street, that showed that they didn't have the ear of the people. If the protesters didn't show up, it showed they're suppressing protests. It's it's They were going to spin it however the fuck they wanted, right? Yeah, it was always going to be a victory for them yeah. no matter what happened. Yeah, yeah. No matter what happens, it's always Cuban government bad. Victory for the anti-government, which must be the people against the government or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was. It was an. Imba- it was hilariously embarrassing for them. It was. It was absolutely I, nothing. I, I and
1: again, I know. I know there's a lot, a lot, a lot of ops that go bad, and they basically win by having lots of fucking money. Having a small set of strategies that they know works, that they go to that well a lot, and just getting to try a lot from their resources. But peppered around those things that they know works is a lot of experiments to try to get new, new things, new, new wells to, to go back to that they know work, right? They're constantly trying bullshit. And so they're amid these terrifyingly effective, monstrous, efforts that should not be written off Uh, you know we should not do the bumbling empire thing they're very successful and sophisticated and and destructive but again there's certain patterns that they found that works and they go back to and they also just have a lot of resources to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks there's also a lot of throwing shit at the wall which is really goddamn stupid and embarrassing and even amongst that I have a hard time thinking of one that failed this particularly badly. Like
0: <laughs> and publicly like, because they was, said they were going to do it. They right. said they were going to do it. Like you set the target on your back and said we're going to have this protest. No. This, this was pathetic. This s-
1: this is like Again, I think it's worse than like when they, they trained the one hawk to like try to fly into the Soviet Union and spy. And then they found out the hawk was illegal to fly to Europe and just gave the fuck up. I think this is worse than like exploding cigar assassination attempts because none of that stuff was publicly known until after the fact. Like this was, they
0: had a bullhorn. They were all over it and they fucked it up. And that is enough on uh, the CIA's brilliant failure of the week. Oh my god! Um, yeah, <laughs> David. Anything else b- bouncing around the globe um, that we want to hit on?
1: I don't. I don't. I, I think it's too important not to bring up the Rittenhouse trial, but I don't think there's enough to say on there. There was a fucking the the. Everybody has seen the judge is just so openly like. Oh yeah, fascist. Uh, not just fashy like taking total he he's he's you know from the beginning like you couldn't call the victims victims you have to call them rioters and he's like screaming and yelling at the prosecutor for bringing up something that wasn't explicitly kept out of court because it was kind of discussed about maybe not keeping out of court and it was obviously bullshit to keep it out anyway Um and he was just like lecturing them he he was having you know a a uh, defenses witness like stood up and clapped for tried to yeah, like get a- Standing Le-
0: ovation for the Purple Heart Man.
1: Le- yeah, right. It just, it, I mean, this is obviously taken. To, and then uh, the apparently Wisconsin's got this dumbass rule where you yeah. don't pick twelve jurors; you pick eighteen, and twelve are picked randomly. Some, some fucking bingo game or something. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, really. And instead of like a third party person, someone from the jury, the judge, a county clerk, somebody picking this—that is not the person on trial. Fucking Kyle Rittenhouse got to pick it himself. Like, this judge is just like plastering billboards of like, if somehow this jury that I'm trying to get Kyle Rittenhouse acquitted with finds him guilty, I still want the white supremacists to know that we have their back in the judicial system and you can go kill people. Like, that's their message. That's obviously the message if he's acquitted. They really, this judge really, really really wants that message out there regardless of the verdict. And he has done everything in his power to put out the disgusting, violent message. So, obviously, you know, again, we hope this guy gets put away, right? And and before the people come up with this, like, gotcha bullshit or this faux confusion about prison abolition, like, you cannot be a prison abolitionist and support – the, the white supremacist structure that is police, that's what you're trying to abolish with prison abolition, or any of these like roving white supremacist gangs and vigilantes that are on the cop side. That's not abolitionism to support what you're trying to abolish, um, whether okay. it's formally in the structure or not, whether the structure is pretending to correct itself or not, right? We want Rittenhouse found guilty. We want him locked the fuck away. We want this shit not to happen to people what Rittenhouse did. We do not want people murdered for going out to these protests. That said, the, the message, if he is acquitted, is free game. Shoot people. We got your back. You don't even need the formality of the badge or the excuses or, or whatever. You can blatantly be out there for fascist violence and just shoot people down and you're good. That is the message if he's acquitted. And the judge is doing everything in his power to make sure, regardless of the verdict, that message is out there. This is and a message is. of violence.
0: And this, this, the, kid, the kid's going to get acquitted. Like, it, it's, I mean, I've never seen, I held out no hope that, uh, the Chauvin trial was going to get a verdict, but that one had such overwhelming momentum behind it that that I could see a route to him getting convicted. And God, thank God, he did. Um, this kid's getting acquitted, one hundred percent. It's it's not even going to be. It's it's going to be. A shit show. I mean, it yeah, is. yeah. I mean, I, I,
1: I don't know if it's being nihilistic because I don't trust the system <laughs> to correct itself. Um, but I don't even want to be that nihilistic on this particular verdict, let alone you know broadly. No. But I, I get it. Like I don't have faith in the system. So I, if he no.
0: is found guilty, I'm not going to be like, but you've you know, got fucking, you've got fucking. The likelihood doesn't seem very high. You've got people that ostensibly call themselves leftists out there defending this kid right now. Like, for fuck's sake. I'm not even on the, pri- like, the prison abolition thing, fine. I can see you taking that road and I can see that being about, like, if you, if you wanna, holistically apply that philosophy and you think that nobody should be in prison that's not the root okay that's a coherent argument at least that i can i don't i I don't see
1: it as one because to me it's supporting cops but i I get get it i get get where that could bounce around in someone's head as long as you're this is the difference between idealism and materialism right if you're somehow an idealist prison abolitionist which is the most ridiculous concept i've i've just put out of my mouth i it hurts me that i said that then yes i could see that but if you're an actual materialist there's no way to support kyle rittenhouse exactly, just exactly.
0: but he, but there are people that aren't even doing it on those grounds there are people that are just straight up on the quote unquote left whatever you want to call it um that are that are straight up just saying no 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 self defense he nope this is this is this is a sham this is the media is portraying him to be something he's not like it's it's absolutely fucking bonkers like we you you it's absolutely outrageously bonkers like i cannot get my head around it and i don't want to think about it anymore i want to read kwame nkrumah so we're going to do that because i don't want to think about the little fascist kid anymore um and that being said, we are going to start, uh, it were in chapter two. Uh, we left off with a juicy cliffhanger, uh, going into that we were going to be diving into the inner workings of imperialism and how, mm-hmm. th- how that actually goes in the, in the metropole. Um, and now we are going to continue with. The control of the funds of the French neo-colonial African states is exercised by the administrative council of their central banks, which are composed partly of Frenchmen without whose agreement no decision in monetary policy can be taken. This French banking complex, with its absolute control of the currencies and external payments of the French neo-colonial states, could, in theory, dictate that these states follow a French policy. However, the complex is itself subject. In the matter, in the manner later described to external pressures which support United States rather than French policies where a difference of opinion arises. Part of the value of commencing a study of neocolonialism in its African context is that it provides examples of every type of the system it is impossible to define the african situation in terms of independent states divided into the non-aligned and the neocolonialist camp colonies and racialist states such as south africa in africa all former colonies which have now become independent including particularly south africa are subject in some degree to neocolonialist pressures which however much they wish to resist they cannot entirely escape struggle as they may The difference in reality is between those states that accept neocolonialism as a policy and those which resist it. Similarly, the colonial problem of Africa is in many ways really neocolonial. The Portuguese African territories appear at first sight only to raise the issue of freedom from colonial rule, but in fact they exist as colonies only because Portugal is itself a neocolonial state. For the last 50 years, the great powers have regarded the Portuguese colonies as counters which they can exchange between themselves in order to readjust the balance of power. God, that is such a clinical way of viewing the world and it's terrifying. Yes. Yes. Um, But again, you know, I mean, this is what we have to
1: understand. We don't read this because we think this is fun, this is horrible, this is horribly depressing, but we have to understand the systems we're combating to combat them and. However conscious or, or subconscious this is to them, this is how they're thinking
0: on some level. Oh, yeah. In 1913, the British and Germans had initiated an init, initialed an agreement for their division, <laughs> and this was only prevented by the outbreak of the First World War. In the appeasement period prior to the Second World War, when it was thought that Hitler could be bought off by an offer of colonial territory, the Portuguese colonies were again regarded as the suitable bribe. If Portugal controls these colonies now, it is only because of the military strength which she derives through her NATO alliance. Portugal is, however, not a member of NATO because of military assistance which she could render the alliance, but because this is a convenient way by which Portuguese territory can be made available to the forces of other members of the alliance. At the other end of the scale is the French colony of Somalia. It continues to exist as a colony not because France would resist pressure to grant it independence, but because of African disunity. It is a point of dispute between Somalia and Ethiopia. African disunity maintains this colony. If it were to go to either of its neighbors, it would almost inevitably provoke a conflict between them. Rhodesia, while theoretically a colony, is really a fossilized form of the earliest type of neocolonialism, which was practiced in southern Africa until the formation of the Union of South Africa. The essence of the Rhodesia system is not to employ individuals drawn from the people of the territory itself to run the country, as in the newer type of neocolonial state, but to utilize instead an alien minority. And we talked about this concept a little bit in, uh, Wretched of the Earth. This yeah. is, this is definitely a callback to that, the concept of raising up the, uh, uh, Fanon talked about raising up the, that middle class of, of, bureaucrats within the colonized Abs- state.
1: Absolutely, and that's and that's what, you know, Nkrumah's saying here is the new form of neocolonialism. And we say it's the new form and it's it's very formalized the new form, but there's always been some level of that, right? You always can get some level of participants from the group to raise up and and basically stab the rest of their group in the back. It's a matter of how committed they are to you versus their own people. You know, I mean, we've seen back in the day how many slave revolts where, you know, they were raised up like black slave drivers, and some of them were the ones leading the revolts, especially around like New Orleans and stuff, you know, whereas now these people are committed on your side. They they are absolutely stabbing their brethren in the back. This is saying a slightly older form where you have settlers and the settlers don't dominate you. They haven't like, you know, genocided uh, the majority of indigenous people off of a land like you have in the United States or Canada or Australia or New Zealand. They're still very much a minority, but they're a minority that is put in charge. Basically what the United States was, initially, right? A minority that mm-hmm. is put in charge of the indigenous people of of um, a region, right? So it may not have, like, a specific... Flag planted like this is you know Britain's territory, right? It may be like, well, this is Virginia; it's its own state, and it belongs to to these people. But those people are settlers, so it's a it's a settler colony where the settlers are still in the minority. That's exactly what apartheid was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is is a settler colony where the, the settler
0: minority is in charge? The majority of the European ruling class of Rhodesia only came to the colony after the Second World War, but it is they, and not the African inhabitants, who outnumber them 16 to 1, that Britain regards as the government. And and we this, can see this, I, I'm going to cite another
1: mm-hmm. more recent example, until the British handover of Hong Kong. This is mm-hmm. the way Hong Kong was kind of a mix. It was almost like a transitory of this, right? You had the white British people who were most of the government, and then you had, uh, the ethnic knee, are they ethnically Cantonese or is that just the language? The, the, um, uh, maybe they're ethnically Han. Uh, but basically the, the Chinese, um, Hong Kong residents who, again, were to some part, um uh, the ruling class in Hong Kong, but they're the wealthy ones, they're the business owners. And then, of course, when it went back to China, there still remains a lot of both a mix of some white people and some Chinese people who were in this old, ruling class, and they're the ones that, of course, have resisted switching Hong Kong over to, um, communism to, you know, wanted to keep it as the emphasizing the two systems part of the one country, two systems.
0: The ra- This racialist state is promoted from outside pressure because under international law, it is a British colony, while Britain herself excuses her failure to exercise her legal rights to prevent the oppression and exploitation of the African inhabitants, of course of which she officially disapproves, because of a supposed British parliamentary convention. In other words, by maintaining Rhodesia nominally as a colony, Britain, in fact, gives her official protection as a second South Africa, and the European racialists are let free, left free to treat the African inhabitants as they will. David, you want to take over? Uh, sure.
1: Pardon me. Uh, the Rhodesian system, thus, has all the hallmarks of the neocolonial model. The patron power, Britain, awards to a local government over which it claims to have no control, unlimited rights, and exploitation within the territory. Yet Britain still retains powers to exclude other countries from intervening, either to liberate its African population or to bring its economy to some other zone of influence. The maneuvering over Rudia's Rhodesia's independence is an excellent example of the workings of neocolonialism and of the practical duties of, or the practical difficulties to which the system gives rise. A European minority of less than a quarter of a million could not maintain in the conditions of Africa today, rule over four million Africans without external support from somewhere. When the settlers talk of independence, they are not thinking of standing on their own feet, but merely of seeking a new neocolonialist master who would, in their view, be more reliable than Britain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As will be seen from the chapters which follow, modern neocolonialism is based upon the control of nominally independent states by giant financial interests. These interests often act through or on behalf of a particular capitalist state, but they are quite capable of acting on their own, enforcing those imperial countries to which they have a dominant interest to follow their lead. There is, however, an older type of neocolonialism, which is based primarily on military considerations. A world power having uh, decided on principles of – a military – a world power having decided on principles of global strategy that is necessary to have a military base in this or that nominally independent country must ensure that the country where the base is situated is friendly. Um, and again, we talked before about the African command of the United States military uh, mm-hmm. in Africa. Here is another reason for balkanization. If the base can be situated in the country which is so constituted economically that it could not survive without su- substantial aid from the military power which owns the base, then so it is argued the security of the base can be assured. Like so many of the other assumptions on which neocolonialism is based on this one is false. The presence of foreign bases arouses popular hostility to the neocolonial arrangements, which permit them more quickly and more surely than does anything else. And throughout Africa, these bases are disappearing. Libya may be quoted as an example of how this policy has failed. Libya has had a long colonial history. From the 16th century onwards, it was a Turkish colony. But in 1900, in the heyday of colonialism, France and Italy agreed that if Italy would not oppose France occupying Morocco, France would not oppose Italy occupying Libya. So when in 1911 and 1912, France was occupying Morocco, India went to war with Turkey and defeating her annexed Libya. Despite promises during the Second World War to the people of Libya that they would never again be subjected to Italian rule, France tried at the peace settlement to have Italy reinstalled in order to support her own position in Tunisia. This solution proving impossible, Libya became nominally independent, but actually under British neocolonial control. According to figures collated by the British Overseas Development Institute, Another one of these
0: ominously named institutes. Yes,
1: yes. another one of the the great think tanks of totally not modern East India Company shit. Um, During the period of 1945 to 1963, Libya received no less than 17% of the total bilateral aid which Britain gave to all foreign countries outside of the Commonwealth in that period. The Overseas Development Institute notes that although these payments to Libya are counted as aid, there is no doubt they are in essence straightforward payments to the Libyan government in return for use of the basis. So it's it's nice that the think tanks are just admitting, no, this is a bribe. This is just it's straight a up a bribe.
0: It's a bribe. Why yeah. uh, call call it what it, is. Call what it is? It's
1: a bribe. It's a bribe because I mean, it, again, you know, I mean, if you're talking to out, outside sources, you've got to be formal. You can't you can't say the quiet part out loud, but. You know, this is internally, right? If you're the, the Overseas Enterprise Institute, if you just report to the British government as a think tank, what the fuck do you care if you say the quiet part out loud? That just makes it easy to communicate. Yeah. Um,
0: you don't need your decoder ring in order to read through the right. dog whistles and things like that.
1: Right. Nevertheless, popular pressure in Libya has now made it necessary for the Libyan government to terminate the military agreement for British bases. These limitations on the real independence of many countries in Africa should not be allowed to obscure the very great achievements already gained in the struggle for African independence and unity. In 1945, Africa largely comprised the colonial territories of European powers, and the idea that the greater part of the continent would be independent within 20 years would have seemed impossible to any political observer in the immediate post-war period. Yet not only has independence been achieved, but considerable progress has been made towards the establishment of African unity. To this unity there are still powerful obstacles... But they are no greater than the obstacles already overcome, and if their nature is understood, they are clearly surmountable. I just want to – we should etch that into anything we're opposing. If their nature is understood, they are clearly surmountable. That is is the ultimate byline of revolution.
0: Exactly. This, this, the system relies on obfuscation and this appearance Ooh. that it is both nebulous and everywhere and impenetrable. Um, but when you really understand it, you can understand how that is not the case.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, you know, we would never put theory ahead of praxis. We talk every time yeah. we do this podcast. They are tied at the hip. You need praxis or this theory means nothing. But the importance of political. Political education is exactly that. Revolutions ride on political education. Revolutions ride on theory. And whether you just happen to organically know your enemy, I seriously doubt that happens very often, or a collection of organic understandings is formulated and distilled into a formal theory that correctly understands your enemy and can attack them, whatever it is, you have to know your enemy to defeat them.
0: Amen. Already, and this will ultimately be the decisive factor, the mass of the African people support unity in the same way as they previously supported the various local movements for political independence. Many of the political leaders of French West Africa, for example, did not at first support independence. In 1946, in the French National Assembly, of which he was then a member, M. Hoffnacht Boigny, the president of the Ivory Coast, claimed there are no separatists on these benches. There is a powerful bond capable of resisting all tests, a moral bond which unites us. It is the ideal of liberty, fraternity, equality, for whose triumph France has never hesitated to sacrifice its most noble blood. The same policy of maintenance of unity with France was also supported at that time by President Senghor of Senegal, who said the French Union must be a conjunction of civilizations, a melting pot of culture. It is a marriage rather than an association. It was mass pressure for independence which forced these leaders to reverse their previous positions and to declare themselves in favor of national sovereignty. In the same way as mass pressure made it impossible for an African leader to oppose independence, so today mass pressure makes it impossible for him to openly oppose African unity. Those who are against it can only show their opposition in indirect ways by suggesting that the pace towards it is too fast, that this or that is impracticable, or that there are procedural difficulties which prevent them assisting in formulating a practical plan for it. The case for African unity is very strong, and the instinct of the mass of people, right? How fucking relevant is that I was, last
1: paragraph right there? I was going to say, like, anything revolutionary. It's... it's Anytime someone starts talking about these things, they can't openly oppose the will of the people. So how do they they oppose it? Well... You're you're just going about it wrong. It's we're too fast. We're not ready yet, right? Yeah, you know. I mean,
0: yeah. we see that in we see that in literally every abolish Everything. ice, yeah. Medicare for all, uh yeah. uh prison abolition, all of these, all of these ideas. Yeah, it's just
1: as, it's just too confusing for people. It's not good messaging. The public hasn't bought in. You'll yeah. you'll get there we just we just have to go about it the right way you're not going through the right system you know it's mm-hmm. it's all this kind of like you know it's i want to say it's pearl clutching because that's kind of correctly what it is but it's not as panicked as pearl clutching it's just casual bullshitting it's 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 more if there was if there was a a, a similar like comparison to pearl clutching as as like you know um, um handkerchief dabbing on the forehead like it's it's, it's yeah. whatever that is you know. It's just a
0: casual dismissal of the will it of is. the people in favor of of uh the status quo is all it all it really is. Yeah. And it's yeah. a way to it's- make the status quo appear as if it is it is the correct way of doing things as opposed to a system that must be torn down in order to to build something different. It's it's telling your kids
1: that pizza for dinner is a great idea, but this is just not the right night for it, except that it's much more (laughs) deadly and important than freaking pizza, and it's talking to people that you should not infantilize like your damn children. Exactly. It's Nancy Pelosi
0: syndrome. Can we call it it what it it is? is. It's
1: Nancy Pelosi syndrome. It is absolutely Nancy Pelosi syndrome. It's pulling out a $1,200 bucket of ice cream and telling people that we just can't fit it in the budget. We're in too much debt right now. Mm -hmm.
0: It is only when the artificial boundaries that divide her are broken down so as to provide for viable economic units and ultimately a single African unit that Africa will be able to develop industrially for her own sake and ultimately for the sake of a healthy world economy. A common currency is needed, and communications of all kinds must be developed to allow the free flow of goods and services. The Economic Commission for Africa has repeatedly emphasized the need for economic planning on a continental scale. The inadequacy of national planning can be demonstrated by a glance at the economies of Mali, the upper Volta, Niger, and Uganda. These landlocked states, which export large quantities of food products to other African states, cannot remain indifferent to the agricultural self-sufficiency schemes adopted by their neighbors. Similarly, a national government planning the establishment of a new industry may find that a neighboring state is developing one like it. Such duplication would probably result in wasted resources if each was depending on exporting its surplus to its neighbor. Few would argue against the need for economic planning on a national scale. How much stronger is the argument for continental planning? The modern trend is towards larger economic and political units as interdependence of nations and peoples grow. No country can be completely self-sufficient or afford to ignore the political events outside its borders. Africa is clearly fragmented into too many small, uneconomic, and non-viable states, many of whom are having a very hard struggle to survive. As already noted, others had failed to cling to old ties with former colonial rulers and have become easy prey to neo-colonialist forces. Some of them have found themselves, whether they liked it or not, drawn into the Cold War, into the rivalries between foreign powers. The Congo is a notable example. Naturally, each national government is concerned primarily with the welfare of its own citizens. It could only be expected to agree with the policy of unification if the immediate and long-term benefits became so apparent that it would be positively damaging to its citizens not to cooperate. We are faced here with the problem of uneven economic growth. Some African countries are richer in natural resources than others. The less fortunate will need reassuring that their interests will not suffer at the hands of the more developed states.
1: All right. Past economic union experience has not been encouraging. The linking of the Rhodesias and... land benefited chiefly southern Rhodesia. Kenya has gained principally from the East African Common Market. Uganda and Tanganyika has been being at best only marginal gainers. In the former French colonial federations, the benefits of economic unity tended to center in Brazzaville, Adesian, and Dakar. These examples further strengthen the argument for a continentally planned economic growth so that all states can benefit from industrialization and other improvements made possible by unified direction. The richer countries will be able to help the poorer. Resources can be pooled and development projects coordinated to raise the living standards of every African. The time factor is important. As ECA has pointed out, now is the time to act before each stage gets too deeply involved in major investment and structural decisions based on narrow national markets. With each month that passes, the foreign interest of neocolonialism gets a tighter grip on Africa's economic life. Now, I will say that, that on that, that sounds very, very like, you know, nihilistically time sensitive but it's it's kind of like climate yeah. change right the time to act is now the time to act is yesterday that doesn't mean if we miss that window the battle's over right like you can't you can't just give no. up on that um but but obviously you know there was some urgency and it's not like he was incorrect in that urgency it's just that even with that window passed it's still the sooner the oh, better oh absolutely the comparatively recent research- Recent penetration of American big business into Africa points out once again the danger from neocolonialism. So also does the combining of large firms to form powerful monopolies. How can some of our smaller states hope to bargain successfully with power foreign, power foreign combines, some of which control financial empires worth more than the state's total revenue? The smaller the state and the more formidable the foreign interests, the less likely are the conditions for economic independence to be met. Again, we're looking at shit like, say, the Gates Foundation Uh now. um, But he was talking about, you know, kind of the early, early seedlings of that kind of thing. For example, Ghana, because of its economic size and alternative industries, has been in a stronger position for bargaining with the aluminum companies than the much smaller and... Economically more limited, Togo can, hope to be in dealing with French phosphate interests. The domination of Africa's economy by foreign firms must be ended if we are to achieve rounded economic growth, and this can only be done through unified action. Something in the nature of an economic revolution is required. Our development has been held back for too long by the colonial-type economy. We need to reorganize entirely so that each country can specialize in producing the goods and crops for which it's best suited. With economic unity... Those countries in Africa which are beginning to establish modern industries would benefit from wider markets. We would all be in better bargaining position to obtain higher prices for our goods and to establish adequate taxation of foreign factor earnings. In fact, a whole new pattern of economic development would be made possible. Agriculture could be modernized more quickly with more capital at its disposal. Industries on a larger and more economic scale could be planned. These could afford to make us... Use of new techniques involving heavy capital outlay. Smaller plants planned to meet only national needs are likely to have higher costs and are eventually less able to reduce the cost than optimized units or optimum size no units. I'm sorry. Uh, national planning bodies would still have a very important part in the play of the unified Africa. They would, for example, supply essential information about local conditions, but their work would be made easier with the experienced advice and help of a single planning body keeping an eye on Africa's interests the whole time. The research and training and development projects already beginning being carried out by the ECA Development Institute in Dakar would be strengthened to serve both the continental and national bodies. Expensive failures due to lack of coordination would be a Avoided. And case in point is in the Inga Dam project, which is to provide power for a sugar refinery, a plastics and hardboard from sugarcane waste complex in Bangui, which in turn would ship bulk plastics to plastic products industry in Brazzaville. Obviously, there should be a planning body able to phase and harmonize construction timing for the Brazzaville and Bangui plants, the power lines from Inga to Bangui and Brazzaville, and the transportation between Bangui and Brazzaville in the dam itself. In the process of Obtaining economic unity, there is bound to be much hard bargaining between the various states. Integration of different aspects of economic policy would proceed at different rates, and there may be disappointing delays and compromises to be worked out. But given the will to succeed, Difficulties can be resolved. In general,
0: the broader the front on which economic unity is launched, the quicker the goals and policies of a fully developed Africa can be achieved. An all-African planning body could take immediate steps toward the development of large-scale industry and power, for the removal of barriers to inter-African trade, and for the creation of a central bank and the formation of a unified policy on all aspects of export, control, tariff, and quota arrangements. The ECA has carried out several surveys designed to provide information to help in the making of decisions on these points. Among immediate needs are the manufacture in Africa of agricultural machinery of all kinds to speed up the modernization of agriculture. We need supplies of electrical equipment for use in the growing electric power production, essential for industrial growth. Mining and industrial machinery must be produced in Africa to lower the costs of developing our mineral resources. Construction machinery and supplies, chemicals, fertilizers, plastics are all urgently required, and Africa must produce them for her own requirements." Reports of the ECA industrial coordination missions to different regions in Africa suggest that the production of iron, steel, non-ferrous metals, engineering supplies, chemicals, and fertilizers, cement, paper, and textiles should be developed on an inter-African basis since their efficiency depends on large-scale production. Other industries which can run efficiently on a smaller scale can be planned nationally. The location of various industries will, of course, depend on many factors such as the availability of power, mineral deposits, nearness to processing plants, markets, and so on. Production of aluminum and copper, for example, will have to be developed in those countries where the essential resources, ore, and sheet power are available. The manufacturing of aluminum and copper products, however, need not take place in countries producing the metals. Similarly, the production of cotton is limited to certain climatic regions, while cotton textile industries can be developed further afield. Every African state has some contribution to make to the economic whole. There are, for instance, no known deposits of potash in West Africa, but requirements can be met from North Africa, Ethiopia, and possibly also from the Congo, Brazzaville, and Gabon. Plans for nitrogenous fertilizer production in Zambia have already been worked out. The plant can be supplied with coal from Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, and low-cost power from the Victoria Falls. Kenya, with its large forest reserves, could become the center of a wood distillation complex able to supply the countries of East and Central Africa with gas, acetone, methanol, and tar. There are many other examples too numerous to describe. The urgent need to plan industrial development on a continental scale must not, however, blind us to the equally important need to do the same for agriculture, fishing, and forestry. In the role of industry and development colon some fallacies dudley sears has pointed out there's a name dudley sears has pointed out the interdependence of agriculture and industry materials are needed for growing industries more important the swelling town labor force need to be fed and this implies that a rising surplus of food has to be produced in the countryside to overemphasize industry as some countries have found to their cost leads paradoxically in the end to a slower rate of industrialization African states are importing larger amounts of food than ever before from abroad. This trend must be stopped by a carefully planned expansion of our own agriculture." Yeah, so
1: pretty, I mean, pretty plain stuff here, right? If you have a huge planned economy, we talked about this before, if you have a huge planned economy, there's going to be different natural resources and different, um, you know, abilities in different areas, but everyone can work cooperatively. This is a centrally planned system. Again, they're not just trying to make their own, you know, African Soviet Union. They're going to be their own thing built on their own material conditions and their own observations. But you know, you can even have a multi country Unified country with a centrally planned economy, just looking at the Soviet Union at the time and seeing how that worked. Yeah. And they would do that based on their needs. It's very logical, but also you have an example that you can just point right to. Oh, for sure.
0: As an industry, there can be specializations so that each region or state concentrates on producing the agricultural products for which it is best suited. For instance, it is wasteful for each West African state to try to be self-sufficient in rice, when Senegal's Casamance district would be well able to supply the need. Equally, Mali and Upper Volta are obvious exporters of fresh, tinned, and processed meat, while coastal states would supply fresh, tinned, and smoked fish. A further argument for a unified agricultural policy is implied in the need to step up efforts to combat many of the obstacles to economic growth. Locusts, the tsetse fly, and plant disease are no respecters of political frontiers. Research under their control would benefit from a pooling of brain power and technical know-how. So also would medicine and social services. How much greater the chance of wiping out major epidemic diseases like river blindness and sleeping sickness if action against them is coordinated and unified? the advantage of unified military and diplomatic policies, both for our own security and to achieve freedom for every part of Africa are so obvious as to need no comment. I love that. (laughs) I know. And this is, is, of course, right after he
1: was like, he was like, locusts don't care about your borders. And by the way, like a unified military is so obviously advantageous. No, I'm not, I'm not even going into that. Come on. (laughs) Like, I just love it so much. Um, Transport and communications are also sectors where unified planning is needed. Roads, railways, waterways, airlines must be made to serve Africa's needs, not the requirements of foreign interests. Communications between African states are quite inadequate. In many cases, it is still easier to travel from an airport in Africa to Europe or America than go from one African state to another. That is actually not only something that is, is terrifying and very true um, about, of course, their... their um, infrastructure in general but it is something where i've told people before uh with the the whole like you know china don't develop africa you know chinese loans imperialism narrative that there was a speech by uh, a man from liberia uh who's up in liberian government about the difference in getting chinese loans that he was giving to a group of college students and it kind of laid that out right like you see the colonial infrastructure and it's hey here's where the mine is here's a road to the port here's the port you can get in mine in out of country. But we, we don't have, you know, roads between towns or anything like that, right? Uh, versus, you know, when China comes in and, and they allow you they give you loans to, to make that kind of infrastructure. And of course, you know, if Africa gains its independence and becomes a unified Africa, it wouldn't need these outside loans from the West or from China to do it. It would just be able to produce its own infrastructure.
0: All right. Well, that being said, that is where we are going to stop for the week. We are knee-deep in analyzing the needs for African Unity, and I think the case so far has been made rather compellingly, uh, but I have a feeling we're going to get a little bit more of this as we go in through the rest of the chapter, for sure. Um, so mm-hmm. so come back next week for more of this. Uh, next week will not be a current events episode because we're going to record it immediately after this, so next week will be a full full reading episode, so get ready for a little bit more of us rambling on, uh, and, uh, and there you go. Uh, that being said, there are a number of different ways you could reach out to us if you felt so inclined. Uh, the first of which is you can email us at marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. The next way is to reach out to us on Twitter. We're on Twitter, at Mark's Madness Pod. Uh, in our Twitter bio is a link to our Discord server, which you could join and hang out with us on a day-to-day basis, where we're just chatting and talking about life and venting and... Uh And posting memes and then uh, playing Final Fantasy XIV. A lot of playing Final Fantasy XIV. New expansions coming out. Get ready. Get ready for Nathan to go away for a while. Um, I'll still make the podcast, but it'll be just know that while I'm making the podcast, I could be playing Final Fantasy XIV. This is the labor that I do for you all because I love you. Uh, (laughs) That being said, it's a great community. Uh, Great, great group of people that I am very happy to call comrades. And I encourage anyone and everyone to join. That all being said, David, it's time for the disclaimer. Yeah. So, obviously, when we started
1: this, um, Nathan came up to me and he was like, hey. I want to read Capital. And I know you've read it before. And that was a very good approach because anytime you're reading any kind of theory or history, uh, you want to make sure you're reading with other people. You want to make sure kind of together you're collaborating, you're understanding it, you're getting the most out of it, uh, you're making sure that you understand the context the best, uh, and you're doing you know, kind of that research and that learning together in a group that's hopefully more than two people. So we said, well, what the hell? We're only two people? Let's record it. Let's see if we get more people in here. And lo and behold, we did wind up making a podcast out of it to get you lovely folks to join us. Um, and since the beginning, what our vision was, was hopefully you're in some kind of reading group or political education group within whatever party or group you're organizing in, and you're reading these works, and we could be another voice in that group, we could be another source of input, another perspective, uh, to help make sure you fully understand and get the most out of this work. Uh, let's say that doesn't happen, and your group is reading something you know shorter or more specific to something you're focused on at the moment, um, and you're reading these on your own hopefully we can be that reading group. We can give you that context, we can give you that point of discussion, and we can help make sure you fully absorb the work the way you need to. And let's say that doesn't happen and we are how you get these works, whether it's a work that we summarize or whether it's kind of more of an enhanced ebook like this one where we just kind of read it word for word and then add the context to it. Whatever we can do to make these works more accessible to you because we want this theory out there guiding your actions. When theory drives actions, those actions are something called praxis. Uh, that can be aid mutual aid organizing political education anything like that any form of praxis is theory in action without the theory backing it uh it's not praxis praxis doesn't exist without theory backing it and without the praxis the theory is completely useless they go hand in hand they are tied at the hip
0: amen as always that being said this is mark's madness pod we read books my name is nathan my name is david and we will talk to you all next week Bye.